and you know, once in a while, just people on vacation and everything, we have our boy band up here and uh, appreciate the guys. You know, a lot of churches uh, have trouble recruiting guys for their worship team, so we appreciate all their, their hard work for us. Um, just a couple things before we get into the, God's Word today. There's, um, first of all, uh, some announcements about some of our missions outreach. Uh, we have just started uh, working with ABC, which is a uh, Bible literacy uh, missionary in Rwanda, Dr. Gary Friesen. And he just he sent me an email. They, they graduated 40 pastors of their pastoral training program. So they're sending them out into their churches. So I wanted you to know about that and continue to pray for them. Uh, the other one is uh, several of us, a couple of us at least, are going to Living in Liberty training on uh, Saturday. And so we're hoping to get involved more with their local work uh, too. And then one more thing, if you're a, a friend or a guest and maybe you've never done this before, but we're just trying to uh, get to know you a little bit in the seat uh, pocket in front of you. So I was trying to listen to what's going on while I'm talking. <laughs> in the seat pocket in front of you, uh, there's a kind of a long card and then there's some pens in there too. If you could you know, just give us your information, we're not going to sell it to anyone, but we'd just like to get to know you. Thank you for coming. See if you have any questions about our church. And then um, we, we don't actually pass an offering or anything later on, but we do have a box back there, which is where we collect our offerings and any other information. So if you could take that tear-off card there and put it in the box that's kind of behind the phony fig tree there, uh, we'd appreciate you doing that for us. We are going to deal with uh, today uh, another one of the fruit of the spirits, and we're just marching our way through there. As we've been seeing, when you walk in the spirit, this fruit comes out. So if you want to know, how do I do that? How do I get this fruit? You walk in the spirit. So as we deal with faithfulness today, it's not how to be faithful. It's like, this is what it looks like when we are faithful. And I'm going to tell you one of the most scarring moments of my life as a child. Uh, and I was I'm a child when I'm probably about fifth, sixth grade. And so a little bit of a cleansing moment here, so you know. But uh, I was, as some of you know, I was raised Catholic. And we had to go to religious, kind of a religious school catechism on Saturday, on Saturday morning when the cartoons were on, right? And so, first of all, that bugged me. And then uh, my dad and I got just, we're at loggerheads. I was having a bad day. We were having a bad day together because I didn't want to go. And then, I, and then finally, I finally went. I got dropped. My sister dropped me off because I was already late. And so, you know, when you're in the fifth or sixth grade and you walk into a classroom and you're late, you don't want anyone to see you. You want to be invisible, well, so I walk in late, and of course, every head turns around. It's like, all right, so I just kind of slid into a chair. Now, I don't know if they still have these in elementary schools, but um, a lot of you might remember, it's that combo desk and seat. And they're usually kind of wood and metal, and you'd open it up, and all your books and your stuff would be there right in front of you. And then your chair would swivel, right? So, but it was one unit. It was, the chair wasn't separate. It was all connected. And so, again, I'm trying to... I'm already, you know, lousy day, fighting with my dad. I come in and I just sit down on this chair, on this desk, because it was a, it was a, a private school during the week. 
finally every, you know, the, the, the nun who was there is teaching. She finally gets everyone back to look forward. And I'm just sitting there again, trying to be invisible. Well, all of a sudden I lean back just a little bit and my chair completely breaks off. I felt it was, I felt it was kind of wobbly, you know, what's going on here. And what had happened is that sometime during the week it had completely broken off and someone just put it right back on. Uh, and so I didn't actually break it, but there I am lying on my back looking at the ceiling and guess what the whole class does? Laughs. So I'm, I'm still getting over that okay, a little bit. I mean, but, and, and what I mean by that is I, I sometimes check chairs because <laughs> I'm, I'm a little scarred. I just don't trust them. You know, it's like, yeah, that one, yeah that's okay. Uh, and, and by the way, that drum, I'm still looking for a new one because that one wobbles a little bit too. I'm just waiting for that to go, go underneath me. Um, but I, I don't find chairs faithful. Maybe you don't have that issue, but I do. But on the other side, I love it when things, especially tools and equipment, are faithful. We needed a, we were just looking for a junker of a lawnmower. And, you know, I if, if we ran over rocks or, you don't care, right? Just a junker trying to do it just along the edges and so forth of our property. And we found one. We found one for 20 bucks. It, again, just kind of beat up. And I've, I mean, I've put new bolts and everything all over it. It's kind of rusting and everything. I haven't used that thing for probably two or three years. But I needed it. I needed it for we're going to go help our daughter out with her, her yard. No kidding. Two poles, and it fired right up. I love this machine. It's great. And so we're up there, and we're, we're going through really thick, thick, heavy lawn and everything going through there. Well, there was a big uh, cinder block I couldn't see, and all of a sudden, bam, it just stops it. I mean, just stops it, and it's like, oh, boy. If that didn't break the, you know, the drive shaft, I don't know what did. It just stopped. And I'm trying, I'm trying to get it going, get it going. I was almost ready to see if I could pull the plug to see if we blew a cylinder or whatever. And, and then uh, Trish was there, and she starts actually praying because we're like halfway done. And sure enough, that thing started again. It's like, I love this. I mean, again, if you saw it, it's just junk. But it starts all the time. Isn't faithfulness nice? When there's something that you could that you could depend on, we used, we had a we actually owned two Chevy Cavaliers. The first one we literally prayed every time before we started it. It was in that kind of setup, and we were broke and couldn't get it fixed. And then we owned one that we just couldn't stop. It was just nice to uh, to have something faithful. So this fruit is faithfulness. Now, uh, we're, we're not, when we talk about faith, the word, the Greek word is pistis, and it can be translated just as faith or faithful, but it also is used in the sense of that saving faith. So by grace, you have been saved through faith that brings us to Jesus Christ. We're not talking about that kind of faith. We're talking about faithfulness that comes after once someone believes that trustworthiness. In fact, if you want to make up a word or keeping the good faith, a made up word would be trustfulness. Trustfulness. So that's the aspect of faith we're looking at. Reliability, loyalty. And if you're walking in the spirit, 
Um, and, and again, why, why, isn't, why isn't it saving faith? Because remember, you, this is a fruit that comes from walking in the Spirit. So if you're walking in the Spirit, you're already saved. You already have saving faith. So I don't think he means it that way. It's, it seems by the context, it's this trustworthiness, reliability. Now, um, maybe if you remember back in high school, and hopefully this doesn't bring back bad memories for you in school, like my chair, uh, but a lot of times it, your English or language arts teacher would have you define words by its opposite, or they would say an antonym. And there's actually a couple passages that help us understand this word faithful uh, by the antonyms, by the opposite. So uh, you'll see them on the screen, and we'll, we'll go through these. But uh, one is Proverbs 12.22, Proverbs 12.22. And before I read it, you think, well, wait a minute, Joe, you just said the Greek word, and some of you know that the New Testament was written in Greek, and the Old Testament is written mainly in Hebrew. So is it the same word? Well, the, the Israelites actually translated their Hebrew Bibles into New Testament Greek. So it's using, though, that same Greek word from that translation. So Proverbs 12:22, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully, there it is, faithfully are his delight. So, okay, lying lips are kind of set in contrast to uh, the, the, the one who is faithful. Uh, so it, I guess he would say lying lips are unfaithful. God delights in those who speak Faithfully, So you see how the opposite kind of gives us an idea? There's another one. This is from the New Testament. Jesus, if you ever hear anyone complain about religious people, tell them that they agree with Jesus because he didn't like him either. All right? And he had some very strong words for people called the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the rule follower kind of people. He said in Matthew 23, verse 23, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. And he says, you, you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. What's he talking about? Tithe and herbs and all these things. Because, the, uh, you know, I have an herb garden, but it's small. It's just a box, Right. Well, these guys knew they had to tithe, which is give a 10% of your money, of your income toward, for them it would be the temple or towards God's work or so forth. Well, they said, well, I'm a very, very religious person. I'm not just going to tithe my money. I'm going to tithe even the little bit of spices and herbs that I get. So that's where the dill and the cumin comes in. And so they're talking maybe, you know, half of a quart, what's, I guess an eighth of a teaspoon of cumin. So they're bringing this little, this little sample of, of herbs showing how spiritual they are because they're giving 10% of their herbs. Big deal. Jesus says, you're doing these rules, but you know what you're forgetting? You're forgetting important things like justice, taking care of those who are weak, which really is biblical justice and mercy. And then he says, and faithfulness. You're just not faithful people towards God. They're far more important than rule following. You can look at also, if you want to look it up later, Romans 3, 1 to 3. 
Romans 3, 1 to 3. Now, let's look at some positive signs. Those are the antonyms. Those are the opposites. Let's look at a few other verses. And just like all the other fruit that we've seen, this fruit comes from the very character, the very person of God. God himself is faithful. He is reliable. He is trustworthy. Even when things seem to be exploding around them, God is trustworthy. Read the little book of Habakkuk and you can hear about that. But I'll just give you um, a couple examples. One's from Exodus 34. Moses asked to see God's glory and God kind of keeps him in a, in, a, in a cleft in a rock and guards him. And it says, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord. And if you were with us for the Names of God series, this, that's the name Yahweh, I am. Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and here it is, and faithfulness. Keeping steadfast loves for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And as you you look and read the Old Testament story, especially the Exodus story, oh, these people were just gripers. Just on and on. They always had something new to complain about. Good thing God was faithful to them. He had made promises to their, their forefathers hundreds of years prior, but he's going to keep his promises despite them. He is faithful. Deuteronomy, again, getting back to our Names of God series, we talked about God being a rock. The rock, his work is perfect. All his ways are justice, a God of faithfulness. And without iniquity, just and upright is he. When we are walking in the Spirit and we experience the fruit of faithfulness, we're like Him. We are like Him in that respect. Uh, A couple other examples. This is uh, from the New Testament. Paul wrote uh, to Titus, Titus 2, 9 and 10. He's talking, it says bondservants. And uh, there's a lot of parallel and close relation of of a servant in the New Testament to employees, so kind of read yourself. If you're, if you're working for somebody, read yourself into that. I think it's fair to apply that to an employ, what we would call an employee today. He says, bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, stealing, but showing all good, here it is, faith, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Now, we're going we're to keep that, that verse up, just at least that, that one up there, verse 10, for a bit here. But first of all, he contrasts faithfulness with stealing. If someone's stealing stuff at work, they're not a faithful employee. That seems kind of obvious. But then uh, he, he goes on a little bit more how it adorns the doctrine of God. And I don't know if you've ever been in a supervisory role. I have where you have to oversee people. And faithful employees are such great people to supervise. You, just, you don't worry about them. They get their job done. They go in above and beyond. They don't need to be watched all the time. Unfaithful employees, oh my goodness. You, say, you spend so much time watching them, making sure they're getting everything in. Uh, get meeting their deadlines and so forth. And it's like, it's like little kids sometimes. They're unfaithful. But again, look at what happens when an employee or a servant is 
faithful to, to whom they're serving. It's an amazing statement. It says that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. When an employee is faithful in their job, they're, again, reflecting the truth of God to the person they work with. And, and so whether or not your boss is a believer or not, it, 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 it is reflecting him. And so this is not just in church circles, but outside of church too. Let's get a couple more instances of faithfulness. This is, uh, this is being faithful in hardship. And last week we saw the Thessalonian church, and they're just a model, model church of how they persevere. But in 2 Thessalonians 1.4, Paul's going to talk about their faithfulness too. So it says, therefore we ourselves boast about you to the churches of God. Why do you boast about them, Paul? For your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and the afflictions that you were enduring. They were enduring real persecution, not just someone making fun of them, but perhaps getting dragged off to jail, perhaps dying, beating. Later on, Paul's going to give them assurance and hope and assure them that Jesus isn't abandoning them even though it's tough, even though they're getting flack for their faith. They did not recant their faith. They lived through trials. And they saw, you know what? It's hard right now, but these will end. We're going to stick it out. There's an eternity that's far better. You could look at Hebrews 11.10. And, and they made choices about what they were going to do before it got hard. Not in the midst of the trial. And it, wouldn't, it would be easy, it would be so easy sometimes to just say, you know what, forget it, and just throw in the towel of faith and of following Christ. I said, no, we are going to stay put. They're willing to endure persecution. And, and, you know, we don't face that much of it. And as you think about how are Christians in our country today persecuted, well, there might be some public things we hear about. Some people are getting sued. But we don't face it like our other brothers and sisters do, to be honest, around the world. Perhaps at, at a school, maybe there's ridicule. Uh, if you're like me, you got a sibling who kind of pokes and prods a little bit once in a while. But what if it actually hurt? Would we hold on? What if, what if because of our faith in Christ, what if our relative... A, a family member, a son, daughter, mother, father, brother, sister, was hurt for our faith. Would we persevere? Uh, I, I would hope so. I would hope we would. What if you couldn't buy food? What if you were fired because you were a believer in Christ? We have to know what we're willing to die for. And that's someone who is faithful. In related to this, there's a faithful, and this is the last one we're going we're gonna to see specifically, of be just being faithful in the long haul. The Apostle Paul wrote a third of the New Testament under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. One of his last books, if not the last, I shouldn't say book, a letter that he wrote was to his young disciple named Timothy, 2 Timothy. He's nearing the end of his life. In fact, he says so in 2 Timothy 4. He says, I'm, I'm nearing the end, my friend. He just, somehow God revealed that to him, that he's about ready to die. And here's what he says about himself as he's entering the end of his life. 
He's not bragging. It's just fact. He says, I have fought the good faith. There's our word. He's been faithful. I have finished, I'm sorry, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. Here it is. I have kept the faith. He's looking back. It's his epitaph. He remained faithful to the teaching. Was it hard for Paul to do that? Yes. Did he face persecution? All the time. And he could look back and say, by God's grace, I was faithful. It wasn't always easy for him. And as you read through the books of 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus, there's a very strong uh, encouragement to watch out for false doctrine. And they were already creeping into the church. We're going to kind of do a flyover in the month of August in the book of 1 Timothy. And right from the first chapter, we're going to see how there is false doctrine creeping into the church. Here, Paul and other apostles are still alive, and it was already getting in there. And a lot of Paul's letters are trying to counter that, especially the book of Galatians. He's trying to correct these things. False doctrine has a way of creeping in, and the church is supposed to be faithful in holding on to it. That's, that's one of our jobs. It's one of our duties. And it's easy. I've, there are times where I have uh, followed a particular ministry philosophy or mindset in, in church, whether I was a volunteer or I worked for a church, and then all of a sudden it hits you. It's like, wow, is that really biblical? I mean, it sounded good. And then you realize, boy, that's, that's not quite right. But what's, what's scary is how easily things could slip in. Things that seem right and good or maybe things that tend to work. You know, some, some philosophy or pattern works, but we don't stop to say, is this really biblical? It was hard for folks, Paul, to, to, for Paul to live this way. Let me just read you. It's a, kind of a long section here. Uh, but just listen to what his life was like in terms of being faithful. He was indeed a mighty man of God. But listen how hard it was to be faithful. He says, are they servants of Christ? I'm reading from 2 Corinthians 11. I am a better one, I'm talking like a man, man, with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, countless beatings, and often near death. Here's what he went through for the faith. Five times I received the hands of the Jews, 40 lashes minus one. Flogged five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger from the city, danger in wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other, all these other things, there's the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak when I am not weak? Who is made to fall that I am not indignant? Wow. And yet at the end of his life, he says, I've kept the faith. 
I fought the good fight. See, folks, that's faithful. Even when it's really, really hard. Because he was looking, he was looking for the reward that God had for him. It was a failure to compromise both with morals and in doctrine the truth of God. And, and you know, times are changing. Times are changing. And I was, was reading this morning in 1 Timothy 3 about how the people will be lovers of self, lovers of money. Uh, you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of stuff we see in the news that's kind of extreme. But you know what's happening now? Just a leaving of God. We went to uh, Riverfest last night. Just kind of walked up and down the street. And this isn't a knock against East Brady because it's everywhere. It'll be at, it, it, next month it'll be also at the, uh, at the uh, uh, gun raffle in Shakora Park. You'll see the same things. You see this abandonment of the Lord. Um, we, went to, we went into family dollar and says, we've had so many drunk people come in here. One lady couldn't even stand. People are abandoning the Lord. Don't believe me? Come join us at the high school. How are we going to stand? Are we going to be faithful when the rest of the world... Again, we're maybe not seeing the real, again, off-the-wall crazy stuff that you see in the headlines. But you do see a lot of this abandonment of God. We have to be sure of our doctrine. We have to be sure not just of our doctrine, of what we believe from the Word of God, but we also have to be very careful, and here's where it gets tough, of our tradition. What do you mean? What do you mean? Traditions are fine. There's nothing wrong with them. Zion has them. Every church does. The, you know what? We meet at 1030. You know why? That's our tradition. But there, there are things that we have to identify as, well, do we do this just because it's a tradition or it's scriptural? Uh, way, thinking way back when we were going through COVID and COVID restrictions were being imposed on churches. And we had to, we had to do some serious praying and thinking and examining the Word of God and saying, are we, are we being asked to violate something that's Scripture or just a tradition that we have? Which one is it? It was a tough call. It was a tough call. Give you a practical example from history. So put yourself back in the early church, like the first century. Paul, Peter, Luke, Matthew, all these people are writing gospels, they're writing letters. And persecution at, in, in the first and actually second and third century didn't happen all the time. It would stop and then it would heat up, sometimes worse than others. But if the Romans, for example, come banging on your door. Open up. We're looking for Bible. We're looking for inspired word of God. Or do you have any writings from this way, this sect, this Christian thing? Do you have any of them? Now, if you're a believer, you may have some of those there. You might have a copy of, or even just a, a shard of pottery with a, with a verse from the letter to the Ephesians on it. And, and then you have this other letter. Maybe it's called the Gospel of Thomas. And, and that, that really exists. 
Well, if you're going to give something up, you got to know, is this just a good book? Or is it scripture? Is it inspired by God? You go to my library, you go to my, my home office, I have three bookshelves. I don't think I want to die for any of those books, as good as many of them are. Do I want to give them up? No, but I don't want to die for them. But when it comes to the scriptures, hmm, that's different. See, they had to determine what is really the core of my belief. What if, what if we were persecuted and we were not allowed to be in this nice air-conditioned room? We could still meet somewhere else, outside. We'll find a place because we together are the church, not this building. Well, we always have the building. It's, we don't need it. We're the living stones. See, my, my point is we have to be careful of what we're going to die for. We don't need to die, for example, for this building if it was ever taken away from us. I know how that sounds. Well, where are we going to meet? I don't know. We'll figure it out. There are churches right now meeting on dirt floors with a single light bulb, and they're just as much church. So It's not the building. It's not our stuff. It's not our traditions. By the way, if you want to see more about persevering in faith, being faithful, Read the letters to the churches in Revelation 2 and 3. Because I think in every letter, Jesus warns them, be faithful, be steadfast. Okay. All right, so what? So it's just, just like in all the other fruit of the Spirit uh, messages, fruit, faithfulness is a result, as I've said, of walking in the Spirit. If you're not faithful, if you're not a faithful believer, you may indeed not be walking in the Spirit of God. Because it's fruit of it. It's evidence of it. What should we see? It's never being willing to retire from Jesus. Right? We, as we get older, we have to start thinking about retirement. From jobs. From our, from, from our work. Maybe, maybe our health isn't able to deal with it anymore. Uh, uh, we, maybe it's just desired as we age. But... The faithful believer never retires from Jesus. You never retire from Jesus. You may not have the physical stamina. You may not have the abilities you used to have. But we never retire from him. At all. We, we, look, we can look back. I mean, boy, to imagine. What a dream to be able to look back and say in truth, I've kept the faith. Maybe not perfectly. Maybe it was kind of up and down here a little bit. But overall, you can say, man, I've kept the faith. I've held fast to that. Let me give you just a couple Old Testament examples, two or three here as, uh, as we wrap up. But there is David and Jonathan. Jonathan is an example of a faithful, faithful man to his friend David. Jonathan was son of King Saul. Saul, how do I say this delicately, was nuts. Out of his mind with murder, tried to murder David. And at one point, at one point, Saul actually tries to kill his own son, Jonathan, because of David. And at the risk of his own life, 
Jonathan guarded, took care of, gave him intel uh, so that David would live and survive. And by the way, if they were to do a, I guess you would call an heir apparent to the throne, it would have been Jonathan. Because he was, this, he was Saul's firstborn son. He should have been the king. But God had chosen David. So really, David should have been his rival. But he was faithful to his friend. And if you think David was a jerk of a son, he really was, or Jonathan was a jerk of a son, he was not. Because that was the only thing he, would, he disagreed with his father about. Jonathan died in battle with his father. He was also faithful to his crazy dad in the end. A faithful, faithful man. A couple other things once. Um, Abraham, the father of faith. As you read through the New Testament, uh, Paul, Peter, who else? James uses Abraham as an example of faith, believing faith, but also faithfulness. All right? In Genesis 25, 8, and this is from the New American Standard Bible. I just like the way they phrase this. Abraham breathed his last and died at a good old age, a man satisfied with life. And he was gathered to his people. He was faithful. Not perfect. We know his story. But he's the example of faith. And he died kind of like Paul. I'm good. I'm good with God. In contrast, his grandson Jacob, sneaky, lying, little stinker. Jacob. And he's appearing before king of Egypt, Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Jacob, how many are the days of the years of your life? And Jacob said to uh, Pharaoh, the days and the years of my sojourning, or his life, are 130 years. Was this man faithful as much as his grandfather? He says, no, few and evil have been the days of the years of my life. They've been not like, they haven't been like my, my, my generations before me. He was an unfaithful guy, especially in his words. And it's interesting how these two, this grandfather and grandson, are contrasted together. One was faithful, died satisfied with life. The other, not so much. If God changes your name from Jacob to Israel, Israel means wrestles with God, you have issues with faithfulness. Remember, it is, it is a fruit of walking in the Spirit. Let's, um, let's spend some time praying. If you want to pray out loud, we, we welcome that. Uh, just some things from this, these passages that we've read. Let's for, you just thank God that he's faithful even when we are not. Uh, God's faithfulness is not dependent on my faithfulness. He is always going to be faithful to his promises and to his word. Maybe you want to thank the Lord. Lord, thank you for being faithful to me when? When you were going through your struggle. Maybe you're going through a struggle now. Maybe when there's an issue. I remember when our our son was diagnosed with depression. Long few years. Waiting for, praying for his healing. God was faithful to us through that time. Or maybe you're, again, going through something right now. God, God, give me strength to be faithful, especially when. Maybe you're getting some kind of persecution. Maybe there's a a money need, a health need, uh, and you just want to 
pray that our God, give me that strength to be faithful to you. I don't want to give up. I want to look back and say, I have kept the faith. So if you want to pray out loud, by all means, go ahead and do that. And then if you don't, that's great too. Just pray quietly with us. And then uh, we'll wrap up with a few announcements and some other worship songs. Oh, faithful God, we could spend the rest of today and on to tomorrow and into the week counting all the times where we ourselves have been unfaithful or others have been unfaithful and looking through stories and the word and just over and over and over again. And we could also continue and spend today and tomorrow and into the week showing all the times where you have been faithful. Lord, not just in the times where everything comes out well, but Lord, even in our circumstances, maybe things don't come out as well. Nevertheless, Lord, you are faithful. You are faithful to your promises. And one day, for those who know you, those who have faith in you now, are going to see promises fulfilled beyond our imagination, beyond our comprehension now. We trust you and love you, and, and we want to see your faithfulness developed in our lives and hearts. Lord, we cannot resist uh, difficult times or persecution or um, frustrations or just the worst news possible without you strengthening us. So Holy Spirit, we call upon you for your strength and life working through us. And we pray in your name. Amen. As our worship team comes back up, just a few things of our Penn West Kids Camp is starting today. They will be leaving at 3.30. And so just want to encourage you to be praying for them. Uh, you should be on, you should see things on Facebook this week. Uh, you know, the shaving cream fight and all the other things that they do. Uh, but, you know, they're going to hear, like kids, just like with a previous camp, we, we, uh, Word of Life camp, they're, they're going to hear the gospel. And also that that gospel message goes home. So please remember uh, those kids this week. Um, I don't have a total. I don't know how many kids have signed up. Usually it's about 100 or so. Uh, if you did bring uh, tubes, we asked for paper tubes. There's some bags out in the foyer there. You could just stick them in there, uh, and uh, they'll be using them to actually tomorrow. Uh, so uh, uh, appreciate you doing that. We also have opportunity every year to, uh, to minister, to bless our school and school district. And we were asked, as we've done this before, to provide a lunch for the school staff. And so all I'm asking you today is to pencil in August 21st uh, for helping with that lunch. Uh, we're going we're gonna to do a baked potato bar. And so we're going we're gonna to have a sign up next week. You could, you could bring in potatoes, you could bake potatoes, you could bring in some of the side things as well. Uh, and so uh, you could help that way. We'll also need people that day. I think it's a Monday uh, where we'll need people there just to kind of host and so forth. So just want you to, to write that day, that day in. Uh, we will be doing that about, probably serving at about 11 a.m. And uh, it's just one of the ways we have been reaching out to uh, the school. Finally today, uh, we're going to do uh, just uh, some, some discussion. We'll have a little video instruction on what is the end of days. What are they like? What should we expect? 
What does the Word of God say about it? What are the kind of the stages as we go through it? Uh, we will do that today. When we are done, uh, we're going to try something a little bit new with tables, all right? I know a lot of times when we potluck, we use that back area. But since we're watching the video, if maybe a few of you can help set up. There's two tables there, and I'm hoping that's enough, uh, that we'll just set them up here and put chairs around them so we could see the, um, the screens well. All right, so any of you, I'm not going to, you guys can figure it out, right? Uh, but that's what uh, we'll do. And then we'll actually start the videos as we're having our lunchtime and then uh, discussion that will follow. So um, that's how it's going to work today. It'll be kind of video discussion, video discussion, and we'll just go through with that, okay? So appreciate those of you who've been helping me, me, me with that. Let's continue. 